Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 60. I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com. With us is the highly acclaimed and celebrated illustrator, Jason Lennox. Thank you so much. That's amazing praise. Wow. Acclaimed. I love it. I'm excited. I, I have a lot to live up to. Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. I mean, I've, you know, you know, looking, you know, listening to some of your previous interviews and just seeing yeah all of your work and checking out your website and you're now on your 11th Kickstarter and you're yes. here to talk to us about your latest uh, uh, Kickstarter project, Lord yeah. Lords of the Cosmos issue number four. And I, I remember when we, when, when we reached out, we, we chatted to each other and you said, Hey, Lords of Cosmos issue number four. I said, Oh, I need to check this out. I pulled it up and I got to tell you, and, and we talked before we went on the air. I yeah. am also a child of the eighties uh, yes. I would say probably you must have been the class of '93, right? Were you class yeah, of 93? No, yeah, you got me. Guilty right. as charged. Yeah, see, class of '94, so you're hanging out All with right. a junior. So I always like to put references based off of how old people yeah. were in high school. So, um, and and I said, well, so basically, we we, we grew up around around the same time. We say, yep. saw basically the same music, the same Saturday morning cartoons, yep. the same toys. And when you talked to me about this uh, uh, before, before I checked it out, and I got to tell you, I immediately fell in love with this. And you know, there's there's sometimes when when I talk to some, I like I like their kickstarters like this. And this, I I had to back right away when I when I read this, and I backed the the four, the because I haven't I never saw issues one through three, so I yeah, backed you gotta get all the, issues. I got all four. I think I backed uh, the. The, not the PDF. I got the main one. So I think yeah, I you got issue. books. I love it. Yep. I got, yeah. yeah, I pledged a $35 level. So, and I got to say, so, so, so Jason, I had, I, I got lost. I'm, I went down a rabbit hole. I've been, I, I, I looked at all of your, I, I went to your website. I yeah. checked out all of your illustration work. So at jasonlennox.com. Um, then again, and then from there, I went to your Etsy site. I started yeah. looking at all of your, beautiful prints. And yeah. I got to tell you, man, it is, uh, it is a true and genuine treasure and pleasure, I guess, to sit down and ch ch chat with you about this. Uh, it's, it's yeah. like you, it's like you grabbed everything I wanted to make in a comic book or want to read in a comic book and you, you made it. So, so with that said, do you want to just you know chat with us how you kind of got into this? Cause your main hat that you wear is uh, correct me if I'm wrong. As illustrator, you yeah. first and foremost consider yourself an illustrator. So, how did you get into how did you get into uh, into this artwork? Which which are like all the art or just Lords of the Cosmos? As it, yeah, no, not as the, we'll talk about we'll talk about the Lords yeah. of the Cosmos in a little bit. But I want to kind of give our our viewers and our and our listeners a, a bit of a background on how you got into illustration. So. I'll do this as quickly as I can because there's some interesting points. Uh, so as a very small child, um, I was very interested in art. And I, I think I had, you know, from what I understand and things that I've seen when I did with as a child, I think I had some very uh, a high amount of like raw ability and interest. So it was, that's what, what really turned my trigger as a kid, just, you know, scrawling on paper. Uh, I got put into private art classes as a kindergartner based on the recommendation of my kindergarten teacher. And uh, I, I 
was training with a professional artist named Elaine Renna in Southeast Pennsylvania, where I grew up in Lancaster. And uh, I, I really, I think, took a lot of that raw ability and, and then started to, to fine tune it. Uh, over those years, the 80s and 90s, obviously loving the toys, loving cartoons, uh, developed a love for anim anime, uh, Japanese animation over those years as well. And, and it all kind of churned together, you know, kid drawing, kid, you know, sucking up pop culture, comics, toys, animation, etc. I'm in high school. Uh, I end up getting uh, into governor school for the arts, which was a program for the best of the best in the state of Pennsylvania. So the year after I was there, uh, Zach Quinto was there for drama in the 70s. Kevin Bacon was there. Uh, the year I was there, Mike Hawthorne, who's one of the guys that does work, he's working on Daredevil now. He's done stuff for Deadpool. He was there the year I was there. So just people off the top of my head that I can think of that you might know. Um, a lot of talented people. Uh, I ended up not going to art college. I ended up going to a regular four-year school called Shippensburg, which is in South Central Pennsylvania. And I got a degree in business. I was doing art while I was at college. Um, designing t-shirts, doing some freelancing, got out of school, kind of became more of a John Q citizen. Uh, just kind of art was there. I was doing less and less of it. And I hit a point, I would say probably around 2002 that it kind of just, I don't know, just kind of went away. There wasn't some incident. Uh, there wasn't any, you know, I don't want to draw. I just kind of stopped, uh, kind of like abandoning a car. And I just stopped. And then for the next, I don't know, seven years, um, till around 2000, I, I did no art, like none zip zilch. Um, I was consuming art, reading comic books, watching cartoons, watching animation. Uh, and I just wasn't doing the art. So even people that I got to know over that time just kind of knew me as, you know, this here's our friend, Jason. And a couple things happened, uh, around, uh, 2009, 2010, that, uh, kind of people from, uh, that I'd known in the past were questioning, like, why aren't you doing art? Um, I kind of stumbled into social media at the time and, and I saw that there was people doing art and I started to kind of find my old peer group and, and a new peer, you know, kind of peer group and seeing stuff and saying, why can't I, you know, what, what kind of rediscovering it in my head. Um, and then I kind of hit this weird point where I was like, I, I just want to start drawing, but I hadn't done any work in, in, in years really. And I kind of was just struggling to just to do some really basic things. And I remember actually thinking, I don't even know what to make. Uh, and I just was drawing like a sneaker, uh, you know, just, you know, here, I'm going to draw like a, a flower, just really basic. Like just, I'm just going to go back to like square one, you know, just draw still lifes. And, uh, I remember this was very early in the crowdfunding era. I had backed a project for someone for a movie in like 2007 or eight. And I got an email from Indiegogo around 2010 or 11 that said, hey, we're doing a movie about uh, the greatest dungeon master ever. And it was a movie called Zero Charisma. And that just for whatever reason, it tickled my fancy. It was in an era when there was like no crowdfunding. So getting an, uh, a solicitation about one was like, hmm, you know what I mean? It was like in the early era of, of the Internet, like I received an email today and you're like, ooh, right. And today you're bombarded <laughs> with eight million emails. So. Uh, I actually wrote the director uh, an email and I said, this is really neat. Here's some work that I did. And I pulled some high school and college pieces together. And I said, hey, uh, could I do some work for you? This is appealing to me. And they said, sounds great. Why don't you make us a piece? We'll use it. And you have a week. And uh, I really struggled to put this one piece together, uh, which is on my website. I think it's one of the very first things I put on there. 
And it was just a one-shot black and white illustration of just some fantasy characters that said Zero Charisma. And uh, I had forgotten how much I enjoyed doing that sort of thing. And I did it and uh, I submitted it to them and they were like, that's great. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to use it in our crowdfunding efforts. And uh, I was like, wow, this is so exciting. And they were like, thanks a lot. And they didn't pay me. <laughs> I just did it. You know, I, I was excited to do it. And then I kind of had this, uh, you know, wow, this was so much fun. I want more. I, I want that feeling. I, I kind of miss playing. Right. Yeah. And uh, then I was just kind of like, and now what? And, you know, and then you're kind of like, when, when will the next thing happen? And nothing was happening. And then I was on a, a message board when they had those uh, for Heavy Metal Magazine right around the same time, 2010, 2011. And uh, they said uh, they were going to shut the website down, no message board, because people were basically just bashing the magazine there and they were going to move it to Facebook. And uh, I ended up talking to a couple people and uh, there was a fellow that said, Hey, like, why don't we get together? And I, I've done lettering and I did lettering and heavy metal once, and maybe I could do some writing and you could do a story. And we, we did a, we made a five page story. So I forced myself to make a, a comic, a five page comic. And uh, we put it together and I said, we're going to submit it to heavy metal. And we submitted it to heavy metal and heavy metal was kind of like, cool. Thanks. Um, and then I, I did it. We so I, that was so much fun. I did a, a twelve a twelve pager, and submitted it to Heavy Metal, and I was like, okay, now you know, now what? Hey, Gatekeeper, help me. You know, I, you know, and I I don't even know if I still have it. I might if I looked for it. It was an email basically saying, this is great. Um, we might use it in about ten years. We're backed up. Oh, jeez. And I remember thinking, well, <clears throat> either. This is true, and that's depressing because I hope you know you hope you live another ten. You know what I mean? Like, what if I get, get hit by a bus in the next decade? Like, you start looking at decades. Like, will right. we both be here in a decade? I hope, but like, there's no guarantees. And I'm like, this is an awful long time to wait. Or I'm like, they're just shining me on because it's like this isn't what whatever you know. And again, maybe the stuff wasn't good enough. Other stuff, who knows? And it was like, hey you know what, like, we'll, we'll put it together in a year. It's easier It's easier to say, our people will call you, don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah. I, I kind of remember being a little crestfallen at the time, because I was just like, well, I put all this work into this stuff, and perhaps it wasn't good enough for that, whatever, you know, I guess it wasn't, because their editors, you know, said it was on the 10-year, which actually the 10-year wait list is now, right? So, yeah, yeah. Should, heavy yeah. metal, agree, right? Yeah. Um, but I remember at the time having some awareness of crowdfunding. And I was like, well, you know what? If I'm waiting for other people and I've wasted all this time not drawing because now I'm in my 30s, that like, do I really have the time to keep waiting forever for more people that I don't know, that don't care about me to to, to say, hey, hey, stranger, let's let's help. And, and, and so when I, you know, in my real job, I do commercial and industrial sales and I've done construction management. So I'm used to, you know, understanding that world very well. Um, and I thought, you know, I got to treat this art thing like I treat my job. I can't wait for these people that I don't even know. And let's be real. They don't care about me. They're not my friends. They're not. They're, they're basically just a bunch of strangers that they're all looking out for themselves. And I don't say that in some like boo-hoo way. I think everyone's going to look out for themselves. And I'm like, these people are going to help themselves. They're not here to help me. So the only person that I know is going to help me is me. Right. And Right. So. I'd done a lot of printing at work with 
blueprints and things like that. So I reached out to this local printing company and I said, can you, can you print a book? And they were like, well, show us what. And so I brought all these files in and I said, could you make a comic book? And, and they, you know, pulling out a tape measure and they said, yeah, we could make this. And, uh, so I tried to figure out what it would cost. And then I tried to figure out what it would cost to color, uh, the story, right. That we'd put to the store, the, the larger story that we'd put together, 12 pager. And, I was like, I will use Kickstarter and I will crowdfund this to get some money. And I remember my wife at the time was like, people are going to give you money for this. I don't understand. She was kind of blown away, but like, she's like, people aren't going to give money for this. Cause it was at the time it was, I wasn't doing art. I wasn't, I didn't have kind of the, the more pay people around me, the clientele, the fan base. Um, I hadn't even done one show yet cause it was definitely before the, my first show as an artist, uh, was June, 2012. I remember that date specifically in Scranton, mm -hmm. home of the show, the office. So and, is this yeah. the, the, your Kickstarter, is this, was this, uh, through the eyes of Griselda? Is this yep. the one that you refer yep. okay. That's what we're right. talking about. So, and I'm probably mismatching some of the dates a little bit, but I'm trying yep. to get them. And what was that? It was funded, uh, the, 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 2012. Well, okay. 2012. May so, no, May 2012 is with the delivery date. Yeah. Yeah. And then my first show was in June, 2012. So I, so I, I got that done and I remember going to the show. Um, well, I remember being like, I, I got money. And at the time, like doing a crowdfunding, my wife was confused. And I remember a couple of people saying, why don't we just give you money? Like, why can't we just give you cash? And I remember saying, I think it's the platform that makes it work. And so I crowdfunded. I made the book and I went to a show with a stack of books. And I think I sold like 15 books in a, in a, at a one day uh, hotel ballroom show. And uh, it was like, people were like, I like this book. And, and I started to realize at that time, which is now like about, you know, almost nine years ago that if you want your own fortune, you know, don't wait for the gatekeepers, do it yourself. Right. And from that kind of humble stumble beginning into wandering in a world that I didn't really, you know, uh, understand there was no one there really to show me what was going on. Uh, I just kind of stumbled into it. Um, and it, it's, it's grown from there. Um, part of the journey is, is, is meeting other professionals, um, other people to, to guide and inspire you. Uh, and that turned into collaborators where I, you know, again, I kind of waltzed into it just kind of being a, you know, a, a lonely solo character, uh, saying I'm just going to scroll, scroll on these things. I don't know anyone. I don't know anything. I have no professional connections. They're current, uh, you know, to, to the latest book, Lord's four. I think we had like 22 people worked on the book where I'm drawing, writing and being like editor. Right. So, I mean, so I mean, that's, the, that's been the, the nine year journey from 2012, to really 2011, 2012. Cause I was working on those books in like 2011, 2012 is when it kind of became public. And I remember a friend of mine who's since passed away, uh, Kurt, <clears throat> he and I had lunch at a Chinese restaurant. And I remember I, he was starting to see me do art. And I was doing figure drawing uh, to really kind of get my skill set back around that time too frequently. And he goes, I, I've known you now for all these years uh, since you've moved to State College. And I've known you for 10 years. And he goes, I had zero. Where was this? And I said, I. I was doing a little bit in the side. You didn't know about it, but this is me kind of coming out to say, yeah, I'm art guy. And when I was a kid, <laughs> I was a kid. And I, I'll never forget. He just, he just is like, I'll, he goes, you're always going to surprise me, brother. He said, it was just strange. And, you know, again, from that 2011 where I was making stuff to kind of come out 
publicly in 2012 with like, I have a book, you know, right. I have art um, where it's grown to, you know, crowdfunding thousands of dollars, to, you know, 10 more projects, uh, building Lords of the Cosmos, three art books, three anthology books, um, a full black and white Western, uh, 150 or whatever it is, prints. I mean, there's prints that have been retired. I think there's like a hundred and some on the Etsy store. Jason merchandise, Jason stickers, Jason t-shirts, Jason appearances. Um, a couple famous clients uh, were, again, like to me, if my art, like one of the things I love about artists, number one is their art, but two, I love the journey. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if there's one thing that other people could take from my journey is, is one, it's never too late to start again. And secondly, don't wait for anybody to tell you it's okay. Just go do it because the longer you're waiting for other people, the longer you're going to just sit, gather and dust. So, I mean, all, all this stuff that you see all started from a guy saying, I, I need to get my, my chops back together and make stuff. I don't. And I remember all those years ago thinking, I don't even know what to draw to the point now. I have so many ideas and so many things to do. It's like, I'll never have enough time to do them. So, I mean, it was reactivating my, my mind, reactivating my creativity. And at the same time, applying the business lessons and the marketing and the sales and the organization to art. Um, one of the interesting things about the process of doing a Kickstarter is that you, you, you're out publicly. Um, and I love these interviews and I love, you know, meeting new fans and new people. And one of the most interesting parts of this process was um, one of the, the people that is really special to me in this book is Ariel. And Ariel is a graphic artist from Los Angeles. Um, and he designed all the marketing for this book. And he's one of our stretch goals. So he's going to do a special uh, piece of art just for this book because we hit $7,000. Um, and he has been doing a really cool one-on-one -on -one interview show. And I'll share this with you because it, it really has stuck on my head where he said, your art to me is very interesting and it's very unique. Because you you developed a full time profession and a career doing business, right, and and marketing and sales and management. And he goes, and your art basically is is almost like uh, this thing that is is on the side, and that you don't necessarily need it to pay the bills. And he goes, so your art exists almost in this special bubble that you you've allowed it to grow now for ten years, nine years, ten years, whatever however you want to slice it that your art exists separate and he goes it's very different because a lot of people they do depend on it for a living and not that you i don't make money off it because it's done well and it has made money but it isn't like if i don't draw this picture i can't you know eat and it's a different position where you might say hey i gotta turn on the light so if i gotta draw you know still lives of people's kids to pay the bills well, then that's what you have to do. And I would never knock any artist for doing what they got to do to pay the bills. But I'm always curious, like, what's like, what's here, right? Like, what is it you really want to do? And it was really interesting because all these interviews are like psychoanalysis from like, wow, I'm really learning about me, right? <laughs> and, and Ariel had that observation that actually has really stuck with me through this whole process of doing all these wonderful interviews and podcasts. Where I'm like, wow, I never I never thought about that. But I have kind of had a very strange kind of journey from like where I was, even from a little kid to like to this interview, right? Where it's like there was art, it was there, it was really important, then it kind of left and then it came back. Because a lot of people might just like let it go and then it never comes back. Um, you know, and with art, unlike athletics, like it isn't like, well, I, I'm too old to play football. It's like, no, nah, 
you can keep doing stuff and, and you can be really old and do this stuff. You could do it till you die. Right. Um, so I think I, I do, I do have a very unique journey um, and there's lessons to be learned, but the, but again, it's from my point of view, it's been a very interesting journey to even see where that, where the artistic Jason is. And he is kind of a free guy. And then he does stuff that he, you know, talking about himself in the third person, but he does stuff that he wants to do. And that's how something like Lords of the Cosmos, I think, has had such a fun impact for people because it's all hard. There is no, well, you know, we got to do this for the the marketing. Like you're getting a raw jolt of like what is in my head as a kid of a certain age like you are to say like, this is what's in my head and I'm going to just put it out. And you may not like it. You may say, this isn't my cup of tea. I don't like Lords of the Cosmos because I don't like this stuff. But at least you're getting a straight shot. You're getting someone's actual vision without any constraints. There's no one saying, sorry, Jason, like this isn't marketable. We got to change it or, we're, you know, we don't like this or that. The fans have provided me the funding to give the vision that I have and has allowed me to bring together an amazing group of talented people to not only uh, help me, but to share their visions under this umbrella. And, you know, one of the things I'm thankful for that I found my art is that, and I love my art, but I feel so lucky that all these wonderful people that if either I've just been friends with or gotten to work with or have worked for me, I would have never had them in my life had I not rediscovered my art and had this journey. So it's a special journey to me because I love it and I love the the actual product and I love all my superheroes and villains and all that. But uh, the people, um, you know, even just talking to you, Barney, like the fact that you, Ben, you've been doing research on me and stuff, man. Like, I, like that, that, like honestly, like that, like I get, I'm, I'm getting the feels, man. Like I, like it's, it, it's like I'm, I'm like I'm a little choked up, man. It's really cool that you took all that time to like research and like you knew about Grizel like that's so cool um yeah so I mean that so that so that's kind of the Jason story in a nutshell that's a big answer to one question right? <laughs> so do you do you feel like in a way when you mentioned earlier about submitting those that stories to heavy metal do you feel as almost a, like a blessing in disguise that they kind of turned you down or do you like if they if they took your stuff do you think your journey would have been on a completely different trajectory you wouldn't have done independent publishing or kickstarters or well, how, how do you how would you foresee or predict how your life would have been different i think that's a great question um i don't think there's anything bad that happens on these kind of journeys as long as you as you take it for what it is um that work probably wasn't good enough to be in that magazine i mean to be honest um and i think maybe at that time it was a good humble right like like you're coming out of the gate like you think you're really good like and you're doing work and that's good but like you went right for like this big famous thing i probably needed a humble um had they put it in might have been totally different i'm i'm uh, who knows maybe i would have been sucked into maybe doing more freelance uh you know hey you know work for higher stuff um one of the exciting things about <clears throat> being a creator is building that you know building that thing that's yours and lords has definitely morphed into a gigantic sandbox of mayhem um, much bigger than I would have anticipated since we started mucking around with it back in 2016. And uh, so, no, had they had they 
you know, blessed me with that opportunity, I probably would have been in a different path. I actually never quite thought about that. Um, but and here's the thing. I mean, those guys, they did, they did nothing wrong at all. I mean, it was like a professional thing. And I think the 10 year thing, it was, either, I mean, may, who knows, maybe it was true or maybe it was just a gentle way to say, Hey, this guy's a nice guy, but it's not our cup of tea. I mean, here's the thing. Arts in the eye of the beholder. Like, I don't know, maybe they just didn't like what it was. I still think the books are cool. If I could redo those stories, they'd probably be better done, but it's the best work I could have done at the time. And it forced me to work and be creative and, and learn to work as, with a smaller team. But yeah, I, I think had that gone uh, that way, I definitely don't think I would have gone down the Lord's path. And, you know, that would be a loss too, because the Lords of themselves are pretty cool. And I think there's more and more to come with the Lords of the Cosmos that, I mean, the fans have shown up more for this than they ever have for anything I've done. Um, and it's every time we do more, it just kind of builds a little bit more momentum. And, and honestly, the momentum starts to feed our excitement and creativity, you know, to say like, okay, like do people like this? We got to do more. That's a great right. question. And so, so let's talk a little bit about Lords of Chaos. And this is, amazing. so as you said, this is, this is issue number four. And for those that are listening or listening or, or watching this, you can you can get all four issues if you want to. So that's always, that's always a plus. And as you yep. said, this is way, this has gone above and beyond your, your other goals for your previous ones. You're now at, you know, you're, you're already over 7,000. Your goal was to hit yeah. four. So, I never did one that went over like 47 something. So, I mean, this, this, this has shattered everything that we've done beforehand. All right. And, and talk to us about, uh, kind of walk us through a bit about what, what, what would the, the backers, get from the lords of the cosmos if they're into if the, for those that that are that are backing it what would they get for this so, to me the people that i try to think a lot about for these because we've done more and more is that if someone stumbles into it which you know you you did is to say how can i make this easy to help people catch up right because we're not a major publisher we don't have like the muscle to say this will be in every store in america so part of that challenge is to say that in a year, this could all be brand new to more people, which it's going to happen. So you can get all the books as a PDF for $15 and all the books in print for 35. That way it makes it pretty reasonably priced to say, Hey, I just stumbled into this on Tuesday. I want it. Some people want PDFs, some people want print. Um, and I try to cater to both. So we tried to make that as easy as possible. Now look, there's, t-shirts there's going to be pins now in the add-on menu we're, there was some demand for lords of the cosmos pins so we're going to have some pins there okay that's add-on stuff you can get original art sketch covers uh prints uh one guy and i don't know if he's backed it jim uh Osprey movie size poster of one of the covers so i mean there's all kinds of bells and whistles um you know cover art things of that nature sasha uh, one, an artist we brought in from italy did some amazing pages. His pages are all available too. So a couple of those have sold. So again, if you want to go sock some loot into this thing, <laughs> you can knock yourself out. But to me, you know, what I really try to think about is for, we want new people to come with all the, the fans that have been there, but to try to make it easy for them to get on because there always is some level of gatekeeping when something's existed for a while. I want to be like the easiest gate, like come on board. We want to make this easy. Like, we with the gatekeeper saying, come on in. We, the last thing I want to do is make it hard for someone to come in because they're going to keep coming. 
you know, the more that I get to do interviews and, and, and talk to people such as yourself, hopefully it broadcasts to more people that, you know, someone that we've never heard of or met that, that is physically far away from where I would have done shows at hears this and says, whoa, this seems really cool. This is what the stuff that I want to read. I really like this kind of stuff that, that the art looks cool. How can I get caught up? So we want to be, make it as, you know, as non gate kept as possible. So it's right. like, come on in, you know, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. So, I mean, heck, even if someone's like, Jason, I have some questions, ask away, man, <laughs> uh, ask away, tweet at me, Instagram, comment, Facebook, blab, whatever. So, I mean, like I, I will try to make it as easy and as painless to get new people to come on as I possibly can. Now, at some point, maybe it will become a little difficult if we keep doing more and more and more. Where it's like issues one to seven, issues one to ten. But I think that's a good problem to have because it means you're knocking out material. But that's the biggest thing: is how can I make this easy for the new, the new person, the new person? So, and so this is split up into four stories. You have your main story, and then there's yep. there's three other stories. And correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at your past Kickstarters, your past the uh, issues of uh, Lord, the past issues of the Lords of the Cosmos. Um, there's that's one main story is the continuing story, but some of these yep. other ones aren't really continuing from previous issues, correct? That is, is correct. It? So there's a little bit of heavy metal DNA in this book where I love the anthology format. Um, I think heavy metal is one of the funnest comics of all time. If you've never read it, go buy some. Right. Um, I also love 2000 AD and I love Judge Dredd and 2000 AD is a little bit different because they tend to, and, and I'm speaking maybe a little out of turn, 2080 fans would beat me up, but my <laughs> question always was they were more themed anthologies. Uh, whereas, so Lords of the Cosmos is an anthology, like a heavy metal, but it's all Lords of the Cosmos. So it's, it's that kind of anthology. So I love anthologies for a lot of reasons. So the DNA of these books goes back to some of those classic, you know, Tales from the Crypt, Heavy Metal, 2000 AD, but with a theme. So it's like, it isn't like, well, there's a horror and a Western. Like, no, everything in this book is Lords of the Cosmos to kind of a central theme. Right. But it it's different people, different, you know, perspectives with a little bit of editorial oversight to make sure that people don't do anything that's too far out of, out of bounds. But those out-of-bound markers are pretty darn wide. So to get outside of them, you would almost have to not be doing Lords of the Cosmos at all. So like a Hallmark movie wouldn't fit in here. Right. So yeah. And you had and you had is this all as you mentioned, this is, is this like all these stories are part of the same universe? Like they're all they can have that ability, even in your previous issues. They're yep. all all those stories are okay. All right. So what had happened was when we were working on the guts of Lords of the Cosmos issue one, Dennis and, and Jason, the other two uh, creator owners of the property, um, they started throwing out more ideas. And, and I, I was just, I, I can't I, I can't get all this done in a timely manner. It's just too much. Right. And one of the things that I had to grow up and learn was letting my toys go because as we talked about the show beforehand or before the show we're 80s kids and i loved all my toys and i was an only child so i think it was hard for me to share my toys and the lords <laughs> of the cosmos now are like this crazy toy set that's been in my head and 
I remember wanting to do everything that, that Jason and Dennis had far out ideas for, but then you just start looking at like, we have a second child now, uh, full-time job. I'm doing other freelance illustration stuff. I'm doing my prints and posters and everything else. And you're like, I, I can't give the Lords of the Cosmos the love that they need to, to take these ideas. It, it just, it just would never happen. And there's a scrap heap of great ideas that all the creatives in this country are piling stuff on every day. Um, but when I went back to my professional management sales, you know, learning all this stuff, working for a fortune 200 company out of college and like training and learning, and this is how you do things. And that training is for sales guys going into the industrial world. It's kind of like going in a boot camp. Like they teach you how to run things. They teach you how to get stuff done. And, nothing's worse than an unfinished project. And one of the things that people seem to have noticed about me is they're like, you know, everything you do gets done. Like it is, it is completed product. So I'm very measured with what I commit to and I'm very measured with not over committing. Um, so at that time with Dennis and Jason having all these ideas, I really wanted to do them because it's like, those are my toys. You know, this, this is my stuff. Right. And it was like, but is it going to cheat the project and never get done? And it was like, what if we brought in other people? And it was actually kind of hard to like, let it go. And I did. And I felt very awkward about it. Like I was in some way failing because I wasn't doing every single thing. And that is a disease in the management world called micromanagement where you don't trust anyone. Right. And I had to, I, ha I had to learn to let it go. And you know, one of the things, too, is that then you have to realize that there are people that could be technically better than you at, at just drawing. And a younger Jason might have been, you know, jealous or, or something. But as opposed to being that way and viewing it as a competition, it was like, grow up, be mature, let your stuff go and bask in these people, bask in their success and their talent different way of thinking grow it's like be a grown-up not a child and that was kind of a, a an internal process that the first issue of lords of the cosmos was a very um growing project for me there's a lot of stuff that i could look at that book and critique now but for me personally there was a tremendous amount of learning how to bend give share and allow myself to be a team leader and not just a solo act. And uh, on the prior anthology books, it was a little different because the people that were doing stuff on those books, it was just people kind of doing their own thing completely separate. And then it all kind of got mashed together. Whereas this was like, this is more oversight. So while they're anthology books, the ugly studios, things were really like heavy metal wars, like, you know, horror, Western science fiction, whatever. And it was some friends of mine, just all kind of jamming stuff together. And then Lords came on and it was like the Jason Dennis Jason project of like, no, you're running the whole thing. Now you're writing. Now you're editing. Now you're doing continuity. Now you're, you're allowing other people to play with your babies. And once I kind of got through that shock, it was almost like, yeah, you know what? Why was I ever like that before I was being, you know, I was, I was being selfish, immature, petty, like open your mind and stop thinking so small. 
And then we realized that that was the way to go was to, to not like, oh my goodness, are we going to bring someone in? Like, no, no, we want you to come in. Right. So again, I got to look at these books in a personal way to say there was growth on my part to like say, gr grow up, don't celebrate, appreciate the, the, the diverse talents and points of view and bring it together. And if you really, really love Lords of the Cosmos, Jason, love them enough to let them go and let other people love them too. Because if I got 22 talented people loving them, that's a lot more than I can give. And like, and like yeah. And, 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 the, and, the, and the title itself, is it kind of a play on Masters of the Universe? 100%. So what yeah. had happened was at the very beginning, uh, when Dennis and Jason and I had a little soup bowl going with like, what is this? It was, what are we going to call it? And I remember we literally wrote the words Lords of the Cosmos on like kind of a joint email. And it was like, what what could we call it that would be different and, and it was we were like just using a thesaurus to just pull words out and just like swap stuff out and it was like okay lords of the cosmos and we're like okay that sounds that sounds cool like it's enough that people like their their lizard brain will say i remember that it's familiar but it's it's like different enough that it's like okay i get it but it's not a complete it's different enough right, right. it's different enough that it's not like, oh, it's master of the universe, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Or stupid, but it, it was different enough. But we want we wanted people to get it, but just like you did, like is that connected? Like that's what, that's exactly what we wanted. Like, and that was that's all we did. It was it was so generic. It was just zip zip. Here's the words. Right. That was that was it. There's there's not, nothing nothing much more to it than that. And so, so talk to us. What do you want to kind of go through us like your, your, your pledge rewards and yeah, kind of give us, kind of give folks a chance. And it's like, you got like five days left. So this ends like Saturday. Uh, I believe it ends the 22nd at two, which I think is Monday. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. We got all weekend. We got all weekend. Yeah. So, okay. Um, yeah, we could, we, so we got pledge without a reward, um, you know, tip jar. Which, yep. you know, there's always people that like to just throw in a buck and, hey, I love it. It's like you're playing a piano at a bar, right? Yeah. Uh, we've got some early birds, which I guess are still left. Wow. Some oh, early bird PDFs. Okay. Yeah. There's one. There's one. Yeah. Well, there's one left. Okay. There's people, I think, that are paying the more expensive non-early bird stuff because they're not paying attention. Shame on you. It's like you left your coupon at home. Yeah. So we have the digital copies, right? Um, and some people are regular, so they just want, like, I just want the new issue. So there's, you know, print or PDF of the new issue. And then there's the, let's get everything, right? We already discussed that. Yeah. Um, and there you're on the Ugly Studios Saturday morning cartoon. Ed. And, and Barney, that should, that should hit you right in the feels, man. That you, it does. Like, yeah. yeah. Boys. There he is. Yeah. See, and there is Griselda from issue one of Eyes of Griselda, right? Yeah. Oh, See, she's, a, she's a show, right? Yeah. See her in the yeah. corner. Yeah. Keep going down. Right there. True story, yeah. right? When I was saying about my journey, I got to tell this story because I, I love my man, Joe. So when we were doing Ugly Studios um, Presents 1, I had it in my head that we wanted to make a map for Griselda the Cat. And I, I okay. literally went to this freaking Linux Windows-based website that looked like a it looked like something out of like the 80s that was called like cartographersworkshop.com and I went on I said I need someone to make me a fantasy map and this guy Joe was like I'm starting to, to do maps and he said to me I'd, I'd make a map and I said cool I like you and then I just started talking to this guy and he's in Cleveland Ohio and I told him what I was doing and he, 
I think talking to me, and you should have Joe on. He's a heck of a great guy, and he's making comic books, and he's he's well, the guy that did Last of My Kind for this book. I love Joe. Is that he told me that he had stopped drawing for a long time, and this was like in twenty, you know, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen ish. And he said to me, you know, or no, it was been in twenty twelve because he put that map in the first Lord's or the first Ugly Studios book I sold in twenty twelve. And he said I got him fired up to start drawing because he had he had quit drawing. And he, 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 I've infected him. I think my wife would say I've ruined his life by getting him wrong. <laughs> and he was one of the guys that we said, we're, we're going to be ugly studios. And he's been with me on like every project in some way, shape or form. Even if it's just a pinup, um, he's done a bunch of books. So one of the add on rewards is every ugly studios book, including a bunch that he's done on his own using our little label that we made up on this crazy journey. Um, where, when I remember when he told me that, that he started doing this stuff because he saw what I was doing and he said, it got me inspired to not do nothing. Like he, he right. said, I got sick of doing nothing and I'm paraphrasing. He's a great interview. You should have him. But he said, you got me fired up to go do it again and draw. And I, I and to this day, and this really sounds like an after school special from the eighties is that I remember when he told me that that was one of the coolest things. Another artist had told me because I think the biggest compliment you can pay another creative is that you inspired me and to have another guy that I respect his work tremendously. Tell me that like he started making work because he thought my story was inspiring to some degree, man, that, that was awesome. So like he did this, this whole thing you're looking at here, the Saturday morning TV ad That's awesome. uh, for the new book. So, I mean, Joe's been an amazing part of my life for the last 10 years uh, give or take maybe nine, I forget the exact dates, but, um, again, that, that he's still with us creatively doing stuff and, and making things to contribute to this stuff is so cool to me because, you know, he made that map for me and it was so cool. And, you know, he's, he's just been knocking stuff out and I've been to his house. He and his wife have like 3000 cats. And, uh, we went to a comic book show together in Cleveland. Um, he's a bro. He's a friend. And, and I love his work. And I love the fact that he's still part of these things. And I hope he is for, for many years to come. But anyway, I digress. I got stuck in a rabbit hole. But uh, so we were talking about rewards. Sorry about yeah, that. That's it. No, that's good. So you had and this this next one is your pledge at 15. That's your PDFs issues one through yep. four. Mm -hmm. okay. Yep. And then you have oh, so talk to us a bit about this. So you can get two set like a variant covers. Is that what this so, one is? It's weird. When I made the first cover to Lords of the Cosmos, it was kind of this, I didn't know what to make the cover. And I'm plagued by OCD and I'm plagued by my love of the 80s. And the very first cover to Lords of the Cosmos was like this kind of bizarre, safe choice of almost what you'd have as a basic modeling photo of an actor. But it's Umex, the guy with the tentacles for his hands. Yeah, and there's like a little strip of a star, and and it, it, when you look at it, it's not really the most exciting cover. It, again, it's more like this is modeling shot one A. Mm. But in my mind, I was always like, but what if we had like thirty of them, and that little star stripe connected them all, and if you got all the books, you'd have every freaking character for Lords of the Cosmos. <laughs> but at the time, it was just like, yeah, but this covers doesn't really have a lot of jazz to it. I was like, no, no, trust me. It's going to be cool. <laughs> and then, so then in the second book, I did the same thing with some of the characters. And then for the third book, I originally had two characters together 
And then someone got confused in my art, like editing group and was like, wait, is the one guy shooting the other guy in the back? I'm like, no, no, the one is in front of the other. Oh, what? I thought he was shooting him in the back. It was Stinger and Orton Memnon, right? And then I showed it to a couple more people and I showed it to my wife. And she goes, well, yeah, I thought that guy was shooting. I was like, oh, everyone thinks they're shooting each other. I have to separate them. So then we had two main covers for issue three. And then I was like, well, you know, I kind of like this. Let's do two main covers. Then I can do more of these character covers. So if you notice on those Kickstarter tops, right. you know, it's like, okay, so each one of these things is kind of like, a character like so now it's like you could stack them up and say oh whoa so for each book now i've been doing two main you know main covers so so this okay. one now there's a hero a hero cover with the the uh bio wizard techno uh wizard and his talking eagle and cat and then yeah. there's just more danix the acid tank so when that tier is like jason does two main covers and then one of the things we again getting more into building comics and being an editor is variant covers where we actually went back and did variant covers for issue one once we figured out how to do them for issue two with using a different printing company in arizona called ready comics like so again more resources more knowledge bigger team better stuff so now you know this one we have four variant covers and then two covers from me so there's a total of six plus a sketch cover wow. and we may end up having ariel's art be a variant cover too and do that as a special gift later on i don't know but like Again, more people, more resources, more knowledge, and it's the evolution of me not just being an artist, because I still think I'm pretty good, but like Jason, the manager, Jason, the editor, Jason, the team leader, Jason, the writer. Oh, yeah, and Jason still draws. So <laughs> that's been one of the crazy things is, is, is the evolution of like, and it's not even giving up what you really like to do, because I really just like to draw, but it's like, you start to become like, what do they call it in baseball? Like a five tool player. You can like field that, you know, right. bases deep, you know, whatever. Right. But, I, but, but yeah, I, it, this has been the transformation for me between just a guy drawing to team builder, team leader, you know? And this, and then you have, this is the, this is the, the four physical copies, right? Yep. Here. Physical copies, one through four. Correct. Okay. And for, also, and then this yep. at the same price, you can get a the only issue for physical copy and a T-shirt. Okay. A crazy story there. I remember around 2012 or 13, I was like, I'm going to make a T-shirt with it's going to be a Jason T-shirt. And I'll never forget my wife said she goes, no one is going to buy a Jason T-shirt. <laughs> um, I love you, honey. But uh, a lot of you challenging me that you don't think this stuff will work, then it works, right? That That's that's her that's her role yeah. in the Jason Lennox uh, sitcom of comic books, it would appear. <laughs> Uh, but every year since 2012, I guess I've done an annual t-shirt that I usually sell at comic conventions when we had them. And, uh, I put dates and shows and things like that. So it's kind of become an annual, annual tradition to get a new Jason t-shirt. So then you can get the Jason t-shirt, which if you scroll down, it's in here somewhere. It's my riff on black Sabbath volume four. Um, and I'm actually working on a t-shirt for this year, uh, which will lampoon the fact that there are no shows. So Yes, fans of my T-shirts. There will be a 2021 No More Shows shirt. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then you have, and then you also have the same price. You have, uh, you can still get issue number four, physical copy, and an 11, yeah. 11 by seventeen print. Yeah, and that was weird because that was actually um, a fellow that interviewed me on another podcast that I wish that would be a tier, and I don't know if he even backed it, but I said he didn't back it yet. Still zero backwards. <laughs> I put that on there. 
Oh, he he asked. He didn't back it, so he's gonna have to get a reminder. Why did you ask for this tier and not back it? <laughs> so I actually got more involved with this Kickstarter, tweaking it and editing it during the Kickstarter to change based on uh, stimulus and feedback. Where it's like, hey, could you add this tier? I added it, and you didn't back it. Um, you know, putting stretch rewards, this thing went so fast. We had no plans for stretch rewards. We had, had put three in it during the campaign. So I've actively managed this campaign and added things to it while it's been live because wow. I didn't, because again, getting better at this stuff is saying, I'm not just going to let this thing ride. If, if we, if it needs a course correction, let's fix it. Let's, let's right. tweak it 2%. So, yep. And then you have, so this is interesting. You get a, a sketch cover and and the digital catalog and what did, what's involved in the digital catalog? The digital catalog is always a huge bonus. You can buy the digital catalog as an add-on actually as well. When, cause th this, this Kickstarter is my first with add-ons. So there'll be a whole menu of things you can buy after, okay. after funds. So the digital catalog is every comic book from ugly studios. So it's all the stuff that Joe and I have made under the ugly studios banner. Oh, wow. It's a ton of books. And you get oh, and then that pledge of fifty two. You get all four physical copies and the t shirt. All right, that's yep. cool. All right, yeah, yeah. And then at sixty, you have six cover pack, two standard, and four variants. So, yeah, is that still issue number four though? Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it okay. says that. It says that in there. Yep, it's got it. Yep. It's got it right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then. So a sketch cover at 72 of issue number four and the physical copies of issues number one through three. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you would, you're, you, you would then hand draw yes. that, the sketch cover. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you had a limit on that. That's a good idea. Cause you didn't want to, <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing. I love doing the sketch covers, but it's one of those things that I, I only want to do so many. So I try to cap it off around like 15 total. Right. And then you have also sketch covers for that, okay, with a T-shirt. Yep. So what's the Lennox original art page? What's that? Get one, get one of my Lords of the Cosmos pages from the book, right? Wow. Okay. They're they're not that expensive. I'm whatever. Wow. So they would get the original. So they would have. Wow. Okay. An original Lords of the Cosmos. You can always change your bunch of right? <laughs> And then you have the same thing where uh, Sasha original art. Yeah, so that comes yeah. from. That he's from Italy. It's, he's he's a he's like a master artist. This stuff really freaking good. Yeah. And then for uh, for a hundred dollars, the Lennox Sword splash page. Initiative. Yeah, which is kind of one of those like super iconic toy images. It's it's in the campaign. If you it's I saw that, down. yeah, it was up it's, here. It's the big yeah. sword jammed in a bleeding rock. Right. I think it was right up at that one. And yeah, there it is. Yeah. We're close. It's right here. Look. Yeah. It's loading. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Wow. No, no one jumped on that one for you yet, huh? Well, no, no. Well, I'll be honest. I put that in a little bit late to the campaign because I totally forgot to put it in until like a week and a half ago. And I was like, oh, I got to put that in there. You know, you never know. And a custom poster and book set. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and Jim, I'll be sending Jim, Jim, 
See, he asked, <laughs> here's the thing. I, two people asked for this stuff, and Jason puts it in, and they'll be getting reminders. Manager, <laughs> Jason, manager Jason's like, they already have their Outlook uh, calendar reminders for me to say, hey, I put this in here for you. You get a back. <laughs> and then you have another one for that at Smith original cover art, issue number four. Yeah, okay. and that's uh, yeah, and limited one one left of one. So yeah, his cover art is that crazy one with like eight million people being eaten, and that's that. Right uh, here. that that's one hundred seventy five bucks. That's amazing art. Wow, yeah, wow. It kind of reminds me of like the Mobius. Uh, I think. Uh, I can definitely that. see Mobius. I also am reminded by Jeff of Jeff Darrow in that piece. Jeff Darrow in there, yeah, Shanghai yeah. yeah. Cowboy, yeah, yeah. Wow, this is great. So we're we're already at our we're already at our hour point. So, wow. Yeah. So so Jason, uh, tell our viewers and listeners where they can find you if they want to see more of your artwork. So and like I'm gonna go in like a trance here. I might so JasonLennox.com with one end is kind of like the Jason Lennox like archive website. I've been not very active on there recently because of the Kickstarter, but that's a good place to go just to kind of see everything. I log. Every press uh, appearance, events, uh, portfolio, bio—that that's kind of like the Jason Lennox, like central. Okay. Uh, so on Facebook, it's Facebook.com/slash Jason Lennox Illustrator, uh, which is my Facebook art page. If you're feeling really risky, you can try to find my personal page. I'm not hard to find. It's a picture of me holding a Muppet uh, when I'm like uh, I don't know five. As this is this washed out photograph of me where I look like, oh, I have a child in the picture. Uh, so that's my Facebook page. Instagram and uh, Twitter is at Lennox Artist, right? And then my Etsy store, which you, you bookmarked it because right. because you, you you are a you are a well planned host. That's uh, <laughs> Lennox Art Emporium, which I keep all my color prints on there. You can get t shirts. You can buy Lords of the Cosmos issue one through three. I actually sold some copies during the Kickstarter. I was like, okay, oh, wow. uh, whatever you want. Um, HP Lovecraft art, some 80s fan art that I've done. There's RoboCop, um, mythology, Satanism, uh, dystopian art, uh, book literature stuff, um, all kinds of stuff. It's it's a neat, it's a neat little store. Yeah. Uh, I think there's like a hundred and some listings on there right now. You can get wow. my t-shirts. Yeah. It's all kinds of stuff. Neat stuff. Wow. That's great. And so th this has been, this has been a genuine pleasure, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us. And Marty, please, gonna, yeah, I was going to say, please come back. You know, every time you do a Kickstarter, I'd love to have you put, be on well, your tour. I'll tell you what, I'll, we'll do that. But when the next book comes out or when the book comes out, I'd love to have you, read all the books and then you could do, you totally should be like, dude, Jason, my British, issue one through four. Right. Yeah. I'd love to have that interview too, Barney. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would love that. Yeah. Okay, like, if I put it out, you got the, you got the, you got, or I got to put it the right way. Right. I was get confused with these zoos. Right. <laughs> right? You got the Fisto and the robot horse, he man, like you need to, you, I, I need you to read these books and then say, Jason, here's 10 hard hitting questions. That's, that's <laughs> what I want to have with you. I mean, and the next Kickstarter for sure, but, I'd love to have that interview with you, Barney. And and I yeah, have I, you, that, yeah. I have you on my press uh, spreadsheet. Like I, you know, I said about coming to this with nothing. I keep a press and media spreadsheet. I think I have 149 reviewers and podcasters on that now. And wow, you're on. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, again, I went from like nothing to like you know building 
the Jason art world. So it's like it went from nothing to like, and he's rolling like he meets reviewers and interviewers and he organizes them. I have a separate MailChimp list just for you guys. And uh, you're on the list. So, yeah. When the, you know, and obviously you're back in the book too, but I'd love to come on and have you ask me questions about the books. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, thank you very much, Jason. And, and, and good luck. And I, let's, let's hope we hit, hit, hit 8,000 before. Hit 8,000. Wagner Fernandez will do some sexy pinup art, right? He's going to do some of our characters. Uh, and Wagner, like he likes to draw sexy girls and, and, we're very toy oriented. We we don't have too much uh, cheesecake uh, pinups. So right. I hope we get to eight grand because I'd love to pay him to do some more art for everybody. So back the book, spread the yeah. word. Thank you very much. All right. Well, it's, uh, thank you very much, Jason. And I, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. My big thing, and it's like the it's in front of me. I'm in my rec room. Is is like I've started enjoying the world of doing VIP concert stuff, where you get to like meet bands. So I have a picture of me with Slayer, me with Lords of Acid, and then me with Black Label Society. And my kids are like, "Those are Daddy's friends." I'm like, "Yeah, me and Carrie King, we're like this. <laughs> <laughs> me and Zach, we're me and Zach. Wow, <laughs> I love those kids, but like kids, yeah." They're, they're daddy's friends. No, daddy paid to get his picture with them, and they're sweet dudes. I don't know if I'd call them my friends. Hey, Zach, can I borrow a cup of sugar? <laughs>